And welcome once again to the Disability Law Show. It's almost the weekend. We uh, we set your Friday up with some knowledge, so stick around for the next half hour. I can guarantee you one thing, you will learn a lot, and you'll have the opportunity as well when we're not doing the show to reach out to Savannah Tamarkin and his team. Anytime you're encouraged to do so, a, f- a phone call costs you nothing, right? Just to pick up a phone toll-free, that's what I mean, and uh, ask some questions on your own if anything comes to mind over the next uh, few days for sure, if not over the next half hour, one 855 215900 is how you go about doing that. The website is disabilityrights.ca and email simply help at at the front of that, help at disabilityrights.ca. I'll give you some details on a couple more websites as we uh, go along here for information. To uh, help you out in that regard, ton of email already coming in, Savannah. They come in fast and furious, pal, so we'll get to those in just a bit. That and uh, the week that was, what's going on your end? Hey, John, great to, to be here with you and our listeners. Let me start off by talking about two things, which we, you and I have talked about a lot. But, you know, as a lawyer um, and one who manages as well a team of lawyers that deal with uh, uh, injury claims and long-term disability claims across Ontario, it's something that I hear over and over. And I think a lot of people who are listening to us, John, are going to nod their heads when I mention those two things, which are really aggravated, uh, aggravating Sorry, to, to the normal person out there. And that is the delay that a lot of uh, lawyers just seem to have ingrained in them when they handle files. They just don't move files forward. Uh, They just take their sweet time. And the other thing is non-responsiveness. And I want to tell you about a phone call I had earlier this week with someone where those two issues came to the fore and they were such an issue for this person that he ended up reaching out to me uh, because, of course, he listens to the show and he wanted to know if he can switch to us, if he can switch his file, take it to us. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, I told him, you know, given the issues that you're experiencing, you know, generally I tell people be very careful about switching to firms. But, you know, in this case, let me take it over. I mean, I, I will help you. My team will help you. So that case, you know, without going into too many specifics, it was a slip and fall that happened about three years ago. Slip and fall on ice. He explained to me what happened. It, it wasn't for him, actually. It was for his wife. Uh, and they're both in their early 40s. She slipped and fell. Clear, It was clear cut that uh, it was the fault of the winter maintenance company that uh, simply didn't do their job. They didn't come that day when they were supposed to. There was ice on the ground. She slipped, she fell, uh, and she broke her ankle in two places. She needed surgery. She needed uh, uh, some pins in her ankle to hold it together. And it really impacted her because she worked uh, in a grocery store and she does a lot of, I mean, she, it's a physical job. Uh, it was a full-time job and she wasn't able to go back to it for quite a while. Now, uh, this person that called me, the husband, he and his wife contacted a lawyer, somebody that advertises a lot on TV. And um, yeah, they went to that lawyer. They spoke to that lawyer. That lawyer you know, was very confident, told them, here's what I can do for you. Here's how long it's going to take. Uh, he, he told them, you know, about a year to two years, which is pretty fast for injury claims. Uh, but he said, this is, this is what we're going to do for you. Basically sold them on hiring him, which is okay. I have no issue with that if the lawyer is competent mm-hmm. and if the lawyer has a team that can handle that kind of a case and they have expertise. Uh, and and so so they sign up with this lawyer. And after that initial conversation, from that point onwards, it was extremely difficult for them to get a hold of that lawyer. Anytime they would leave messages or send emails, they would be basically not getting any emails back or phone calls back. Once in a blue moon, the assistant of the lawyer, actually the assistant of the junior that was helping the lawyer, would call them back and kind of give them, uh, you know, some explanation of what's been happening. But really, they were they were. Uh, blind, you're right. They had no idea what was happening with their case. 
And, uh, you know, it, it got to the point where not only were they not getting any answers, uh, but they didn't understand what was happening with their file. Right. And when they were finally told that the lawyer only started the legal claim a week before the expiration of the limitation period, right? In Ontario, if you're injured, you have two years from the date of the accident to start a legal claim for compensation. And what I tell people is, it's only in rare circumstances that I will wait anywhere near two years to start that legal claim. Because I, I, first of all, in many cases, I know off the bat, when you explain to me what your situation is, what kind of injuries you suffered, what happened, I can tell you fairly quickly if we should be starting the claim now, by now I mean within the next few weeks, or if we should wait maybe a month or two just to see how your injuries progress, whether or not you heal, whether or not you go back to work, etc. Certainly, I can tell you, it doesn't take more than one to two months, maximum three months from the date of the accident for me to tell you that we need to initiate the legal claim or that it may make not, it, it may not make sense for you to start a legal claim. Right. Uh, in that case, that lawyer, first of all, had no correspondence with them. They knew nothing. Uh, the lawyer was basically sitting on the file. It set collecting dust on the lawyer's shelf for almost two years. Now, this was a slip and fall where liability was clear cut. In other words, the winter maintenance contractor absolutely is responsible here, I can tell you. Absolutely responsible. So there's no liability question. There's no question of fault, okay? Uh, the injury was objective. She fractured her ankle. It was a serious injury. She wasn't able to go back to work for quite a while. And even when she did go back to work, she went back to work in a limited capacity. So it was a significant claim. There was pain and suffering. There was income loss because she wasn't able to work. And there were many other types of damages, which we don't need to get into right now. Suffice it to say that I would have told this person, this couple, to start a legal claim now. And again, by now, I mean within the next few weeks. Subject to, of course, my team doing the necessary due diligence to figure out who else might have been responsible. Instead, that law office waited for two years, almost two years. Here's what that means, John. It means that for those two years that were delayed, if eventually that lawyer ends up resolving the claim, it will have resolved two years too late. In other words, there was a delay of two years that was unnecessary. So yeah. any money that is owed to this couple is going to come to them two years after it should have come to them. And, you know, to top it off, we're respectful by not responding, not to emails, not to calls. One of the things that I don't tolerate about any of the lawyers uh, lawyers at my firm, and, and Lior will tell you the same thing, my partner, Lior Santiro, who does the employment law show, we have an allergy to non-responsiveness. We have an allergy to lawyers sitting on cases and not moving them forward. Because on the other side of that case is our client. First of all, our client... It's their case. That's number one. It's not my case. It's their case. Number two, they're in a predicament. They come to me because they need answers and they need help. They don't need me to tell them that I'm going to be able to help them in two years. They need help right now. And I need to do everything in my power. And I tell our lawyers, you need to do everything in your power that's humanly possible to do things now. So delay, immense delay in this case. And by the way, if this lawyer waited for two years to solve this claim... There's no way he's resolving it next year. It's just no way. I suspect this case is going to go on for the next five to ten years, if oh if at gosh. all, if this lawyer ever move, moves his butt. You know, the second thing is they're still going to be flying blind. Like I had to explain to them the entire process, which I always do with my clients. I explain from beginning to end. Here's what to expect. I can't tell you everything because things may change down the road, but I have a pretty good roadmap based on almost 20 years of experience doing this. And so, again, lawyers should be communicating with you. There should never be a situation where you're trying to chase them down by emails and voicemails. Because guess what? We're busy. 
but we're not that busy. Okay, when people tell me I'm busy, I tell them, you know what, if I run through my day with you, okay, my busyness <laughs> will dwarf your busyness. And I still am able to contact clients back, you know, as soon as possible. Like right now, John, we're doing the show. I'm not checking my email. But I can tell you, as soon as we get off the show, I'm checking all my emails and I'm responding to everyone. Even if I can't provide a substantive response, I'm going to yeah. tell them, look, my assistant, my assistant is, going to, is going to get in touch with you. I'm, I'm going to email you later on when I have the answer. I'm going to call you. I, I, you need to have this communication. I don't understand why lawyers think that they have the right to ignore their own clients or anyone for that matter. They don't. And it's unfortunate because it really reflects badly on the profession. And I can tell you as well that we've had situations in our firm where we, we've let lawyers go for those kinds of reasons. When we got those kinds of complaints repeatedly, we've ended up letting those lawyers go. I, I will not tolerate that in my firm. So, so again, my, my advice to this couple here was, look, you have a very good claim legally. It was a very serious injury. There's no question that the other side is at fault. Your claim, honestly, should have been on its way to resolution at this point. Instead, given how this lawyer has been dealing with you and your claim, I have no idea when your claim will resolve. And so once I explained to them the whole thing, they said, listen, they pretty much begged me, can you take over? And I said, you know what? This is one of those cases where I'll tell you, yeah, I'll take over. My team and I will take over. And you're going to be updated every step of the way. So that's, so John, that's, and this goes back to something you and I talked about before, which is you need to do your due diligence before you hire a lawyer. Don't just go for the flashy lawyer on a billboard. Don't just go to, you know, the lawyer that your friend told you to go to because they heard that, you know, they, uh, you know, they had this commercial or whatever. No, listen, we're on TV, we're on radio. We also advertise. We also do this thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, just look at our reviews. You know, go go on, on our webpage. Go look at our Google reviews. Uh, you know, there's a reason why we have so many five stars across the board, across our offices. There's a reason for that. Uh, so, so, you know, word to the wise, do your due diligence. Be very careful. Feel free to call me for any questions. Again, I'm not going to just tell you off the bat, switch firms. But in some rare circumstances, I will tell you, you have to do something about this because it's your case. You know, we got. I know we got a break in a minute, but I'm, I'm just thinking. You know, two year, almost a two year delay, and it's a maintenance contracting group. Well, I mean, it's it's not a big multinational corporation which is going to be here forever. What happens if this person who's responsible for this shut down shop within the two years, went on to be a baker, left the country, did whatever? Then you've got no one to go to. Why are you waiting two years? Well, it actually, so that's a problem. I mean, if there's insurance in place, that insurance company will respond. But you've you've actually made another good point, John, which is that sometimes we have to do our due well. No, we always have to do our due diligence. What if that uh, maintenance contractor subcontracted to another contractor? Maybe mm-hmm. there's another party out there. If that lawyer waits until the last minute to go after the winter maintenance contractor, and there's actually someone else that's responsible or more responsible, you could be out of time. To recover against that entity because there's not enough time to do your due diligence Brutal. to get them in the legal claim. Yeah. And I've seen that happen before. So, again, you're absolutely right, John. we got to take a short break. we got so much more to get to with the remaining time and some emails as well. In the meantime, reach out always if you haven't uh, illustrated that properly in the last few minutes, right? one 821 5900 with any concerns for Savannah and his team. Website, disabilityrights.ca or email is help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue more of the Disability Law Show. Stand by. We're coming right back. And welcome back to the Disability Law Show. Good to have you along for the remainder of the half hour. It's a Friday, so we'll get you to your weekend shortly. But in the meantime, lots more information to uh, to put out there for you. And you can always reach Savannah and his team at the firm anytime. It's toll-free. The phone number is always a good one, one 855 
800-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address we're going to momentarily. And the website is simply disabilityrights.ca. And Savannah will give you some more information as we carry on over the next few minutes. Uh, let's get into our first email of the uh, the evening. It's Saj this time. Lior says, guys, I'm on long-term disability and I'm approaching that two-year mark. It's getting close. Is there anything I need to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, Saj. And, uh, you know, before I answer the question about long-term disability, which we talk about quite a lot on the show and the TV show, I want to mention this website that we had created, that John, you had mentioned. We, we created it a few months back, and it's been an unbelievable resource for people out there who are dealing with long-term disability claims. It's called pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. Again, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. And what it is is for people out there who, for whatever reason, don't want to call me and talk to me, which is free, by the way, uh, or a member of my team or email us, they just want to go online and get the answers to their questions, you can go to pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca, put in the information about your situation, your question, and you'll get a custom-tailored response. It's quick, it's anonymous, and it's we designed it. And it's based on Canadian law, Ontario law. Again, if you don't want to call us, I mean, I always urge people, give us a call, email us, text us. The reality is we can help you, we can advise you. And again, it doesn't cost anything. But if you want to go online, go to the website. Now, John, going back to what Saj uh, had emailed us, uh, really smart of him to actually ask this question. And I think a lot of people have this question. He's saying he's on LTD and he's approaching the two-year mark. And why is he saying that? He's asking, is there anything he needs to do? Well, for, for listeners out there who are not familiar with long-term disability, typically most policies, most long-term disability policies, especially the ones where you have as part of a health benefits package, extended benefits through work, but even private policies, typically to get LTD for the first two years, you have to prove with the help of your doctors or whoever's treating you that you are unable to perform the essential tasks of your own occupation, your own job. Okay, It means you cannot work, really. You cannot do what you need to do. But that's for the first two years. Under most policies, there is a different test, a more expanded, a broader test to get LTD beyond the two-year mark. And the test is, can you perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? Notice the word any, any occupation, not just your occupation. But the last part is important too for which you have training, education, or experience. So if you are you know, a host on a radio show, John, they can't ask you to go and uh, be a doctor, right? I mean, you don't have training or education or experience unless I don't know you properly. Uh, they just, they can't force you to do that. Now, they also look at commensurate income. They're, they're trying to figure out if you can do some job, some occupation, where you can earn 60 to 65% of your pre-disability income. So a very simple example is if you were earning $100,000 before going on disability, at the two-year mark, if they can find a job for which you have education, training, or experience, for which you can earn 60 to 65% around there of your pre-disability income, so 60 to $65,000, yep. uh, then, then they'll tell you that you're not, uh, not going to get LTD beyond the two-year mark. But here's the thing. In many cases, people contact me when they get cut off around that two-year mark. And they get cut off around that two-year mark because insurance companies see that time, see that, that transition as a really good place where they can tell people, oh, no, you don't qualify anymore. We're going to cut you off. We're not going to pay you benefits beyond the two-year mark. And in many cases, the insurance companies are wrong. But they're gambling 
that people out there will simply not fight them. People out there will not ask questions. People out there will simply take whatever the insurance company says and walk away from money that's owed to them. And, and it does happen. I even have cases, John, people call me. I explain to them, no, you, based on everything you're telling me, based on the, the reports I'm seeing from your doctors that you've sent me, you absolutely deserve LTD beyond two years. And they say, yeah, but I don't want to deal with the insurance company more. I don't want to, I don't want to have to fight them. And I tell them, you're not going to fight them. I'm going to fight them for you. And say, no, I just don't want to deal with it. And they just walk away from money that's owed to them. I had one case, one case, John, where uh, I assessed this person's entitlement to be in the six figures. It was around, I think, three, dollars $400,000 if you take him to age 65, okay, wow. in terms of what he was owed. He decided to forego that amount. He said, I just don't want to deal with the insurance company. To me, that was a silly thing to do. But again, it's his choice. I did my job. I explained to him that he, in fact, was owed that money, that the insurance company was wrong. But these insurance companies, that's how they operate. They operate on the idea that if they cut you off, you're going to, in most cases, walk away or be too afraid to stand up for yourself. And I'm here to tell you, you have a lot more power than you think you do. Having worked for insurance companies in the past, I can tell you insurance companies they hate it when people stand up for their rights. They hate it even more when people contact us and we explain to them their rights because then these insurance companies understand that they're going to have to pay and they're going to have to pay big. Now, Saj is asking here, let me just circle back. He's asking, what should I know about the fact that I'm getting close to the two-year mark? Well, here's what you, know, what you should know, Saj, and this goes for anyone out there who's on LTD and hasn't reached two-year mark. Because insurance companies are eyeing that two-year mark or around the two-year mark to potentially cut you off, they're going to set up your claim in such a way that allows them, that gives them the backing, gives them the reason, the rationale to say, aha, we don't have to pay you anymore. And they do that in various ways. They send you to their own doctors for an assessment. They send you for other assessments to see if you can do some other job. Uh, they'll ask for your resume. They'll have a questionnaire for you. They'll try to figure out what they can do, what, what kind of information, what facts they can gather to throw in your face to tell you, you know what, we're going to cut you off because you, we think you can do some other job. And, and so what do you do? Well, as you approach a two-year mark, you need to go to your doctors, assuming you, in fact, cannot do another occupation for which you have training, education, or experience. And you need to get your doctor or doctors, whoever's treating you, to write a letter. It doesn't have to be a long letter, but it, it has to be more than just a one-liner. Something that the doctor says, look, uh, John is still suffering from X and Y, Z, whatever the issues are. As a result of those things, I do not believe that at the present time he's able to uh, work in any capacity or just work. Again, I'm not asking the doctor to say this for the foreseeable future forever. But at this point in time, right, as you're approaching the two-year mark, John is still unable to work uh, in any, any, any capacity uh, or any capacity for which you know, he can you know, do more than just a few hours a week. And this is really important because your doctors are the individuals. Their opinions are the ones that are going to protect you from the insurance company. I always say that doctors' reports oftentimes will act as a shield against the insurance company, but also as a sword to go after the insurance company when the insurance company is trying to cut you off. You can attack the insurance company with that. In fact, that's what we do. When we get on your case, when you hire us because you've been cut off or you've been told your benefits will be cut off, that's what we do. We need to speak with your doctors. We need to get reports from your doctors. We pay for those reports, by the way. We pay for the doctor's time. We just need their opinions, which are favorable to you, so we can go after the insurance company for the money that you are owed. So it's absolutely crucial to understand that. But you also need to understand that there are some red flags they need to watch out for. And again, if it's the insurance company asking you to go see one of their doctors, 
for an assessment, anything like that, you need to be on your guard. Because the reality is these insurance companies, they're just, they're, they're, they're dying to cut you off. I mean, when people send in their claims, they try to deny your claims outright, right? They try to reject you from the beginning. But oftentimes when they approve you for LTD, they're hoping that around the two-year mark, usually they start their process of building up the case to cut you off, you know, after around 18 months or so, right? Around the one and a half year mark. Yeah. Uh, you need to be on guard. And if you have any questions, that's when you call us or you, you email us or you go to pocketofdisabilitylawyer.ca. And the other thing, John, is important. When you're an LTD, uh, you, you're not going to get a call or a letter saying, hey, by the way, John, your LTD benefits, you remember that deposit you got two weeks ago, that check, that's your last payment. Huh. No, they're going to give you a heads up. It's in the future. They're going to tell you they're going to cut you off in a month, in two months, five months. I've seen as far as a year. And what what big mistake that most people make, a lot of people make, is they wait. They, they think that somehow during that period of time between when they were notified that their claim will end and when they get cut off, they think they can make the insurance company see that they made a mistake. They try to convince the adjuster that this was you know, a complete misunderstanding, that no, they're still disabled. Not understanding that the insurance company has already made its decision to cut you off. The train is going to fall off the cliff. And if you wait until that time when you're not getting more payments, you're gonna be, it's going to be that much more difficult for you down the road to actually fight the claim because you're going to have no money. And John, one of the things you and I talk about all the time is that the insurance company will often dangle an appeal in front oh, yeah. of you, right? They'll tell you, listen, what about appealing, right? The denial letter or the letter cutting you off will say you have a right to appeal. And so most people think it's some kind of, of, of a third party that's going to look at the documents. There is someone else that potentially could, could write this wrong. That doesn't work this way. When you appeal a denial, when you appeal a cutoff, a decision to cut off your benefits, it's the insurance company. It's the same people that cut you off in the first place who are now going to tell you most likely that your appeal is denied. And then many people you know, appeal for a second time and a third time. Meanwhile, you know, the clock runs out. You may not be getting paid anymore. Uh, you're under pressure. You don't know what to do. So I tell people, if you want to appeal, that's okay, but contact me first so I can talk you through it, so I can at least try and help you. So don't you know, always be on your guard with insurance companies. And if they cut you off or tell you your benefits are going to end, contact me immediately so I can tell you what your options are. Saj, appreciate so much for that uh, that email. That's going to be it for this evening. But always reach out after after this to Savannah and his team. They're always ready for that phone call. It's toll-free. It'll take just a, a minute or two to dial it and have a chat with somebody and get some information anyway. Go forward from there. one 821 That email address we use every show, help at disabilityrights.ca or simply go to the website, disabilityrights.ca. And as we mentioned, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. That will provide so many answers to you as well, even before you pick up a phone, you can use that uh, freely and anonymously as well. Pocket disability lawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time here on the Disability Law Show.